From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Atme Senior Producer Quinn White, recording this on my laptop in Los Angeles, California. Statistically speaking, traveling by passenger airplane is one of the safest modes of transportation. And yet, for a lot of people, it could be the most stressful. Tack on a global pandemic and all the added safety protocols that come with it, and that anxiety only intensifies. I know it does for me. So for today's episode, we're going to speak with someone who's been up in the air during the pandemic. Sierra Fisher has been a flight attendant with a major airline for nine years. So she was working when COVID-19 first hit the United States. I flew in, I remember one time to SeaTac and we were the only four people it seemed in the whole airport. I remember I think a janitor walked by and was mopping and that was it. It was so strange. At me producer Madison Knutson spoke with Fisher about her experiences as a flight attendant during the pandemic, working with non-compliant passengers, and the recent holiday travel season that had thousands of flight cancellations and delays worldwide. They spoke on January 16th, 2022. Thank you for being here, first of all. My first question for you is, why did you become a flight attendant? I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. My stepdad's a pilot, so it's we, I kind of grew up around flying and that kind of stuff. So I tried it out and I just really liked it. And I've kind of learned about the lifestyle through friends that have been flight attendants and that kind of thing first. And then I just decided to jump into it and try it out and see how I liked it. And now I never want to stop. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's great. That's great when you find something and it's kind of like unexpected. And you're just like, oh, that's nice that I found that. So yeah, that sounds really great. And then um, a lot of people are interested in like, we don't really hear a lot of um, personal lives, like flight attendants, kind of like you see them when you're on your flight as a passenger, but you don't really know what they kind of do afterwards. So um, do you have a routine when you stay overnight at a place? Oh, gosh that's the whole thing is there is no, well, okay. I shouldn't say that there are flight attendants that are good at doing the routine, but our schedules are so all over the place. I mean, one day I'll be working a night flight, a red eye flight. And then the next day I'll be working super early morning. So it's kind of hard to come up with a routine when you don't have specific days of the week you work. Some days I might work, you know, Monday through Friday, other days I only work or other weeks I only work the weekend. So it is a little bit hard. I mean, there's like the little details that you have when you get to your room and that like unpacking your bag, how everybody does that or checking your bed for bed bugs, that kind of thing, making sure your locks all work and putting your little do not disturb sign out. But other than like the little details, I personally don't have a huge routine. I know other people meal plan and all that, but I'm kind of just, I just go with it. I know you said you kind of like your schedule changes around a lot, but could you walk me through kind of like a day in your life as a flight attendant before the pandemic, before all of like the changes happened because of that? Since I am a little more junior, I do a lot of early mornings. So I usually wake up 5 a.m. reports, 4 a.m. reports, that kind of thing, get to the airport. We, you know, we board the airplane before the pandemic it was very, very hard to be on a plane without or with an empty seat. Like every plane was completely packed. 
even we have extra jump seats in the back for flight attendants and extra jump seats in the flight deck for pilots. And those would be filled with other flight attendants and pilots that were trying to get somewhere. So it was always completely full and just super busy. I mean, like if you're flying Anchorage to Seattle, we do two beverage carts, but then there's all the different requests in between. And, you know, you're trying to help people with the technology, which I'm not great at technology. So, you know, trying to help people connect the internet and and then getting separate drink orders and headphones and just answering questions about connections and all that so it it was so busy but I guess before COVID it was the actual job itself had a very clear routine and so the job itself you know it was kind of laid out for us until something went awry but <laughs> But it was like, okay, you know, you board the plane, you do the first service, you do trash, you do the second drink service. And then obviously things are now evolving. Kind of moving on to like COVID and when it really hit in March 2020. Uh, can you recall those first couple of weeks and that month when COVID hit and like people were going into lockdown, but yet flights were still going on? It was very strange because we went from, like I said, completely crowded planes. And then it, it continued on for probably the first few weeks just because people were scrambling to get home at this point because the whole world was shutting down, you know? And so, so for the first few weeks, it was still really, really packed and people were scrambling and, um, I would say we just didn't really know what to expect yet. So people were still trying to travel like normal, but it didn't really work out that easily. And then I, I want to say like three weeks in mid-March, something like that. It just, it was a completely different world. It felt like a zombie apocalypse with nobody on planes, nobody in airports, nobody in hotels. It was completely different. A lot of people were still, or were starting to quarantine and all that stuff and self-isolation. And obviously we can't, that's not our job. So we're flying and then we're trying to keep up with all of the different mandates in different places too. And then there were some hotels where it was only flight crew. There was nobody else staying there. I flew in, I remember one time to SeaTac and we were the only four people it seemed in the whole airport I remember, I think a janitor walked by and was mopping and that was it. It was so strange. That's like one of the busiest airports in the country, isn't it? Very busy on days. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's great to just hear. A lot of people just don't experience that. So it was very surreal and the complete opposite of the hustle and bustle of what flying usually is. So you kind of also said like flights were um, shortened and stuff during that time, but can you like think of any other ways that your job has been altered or changed due to the pandemic? So obviously, like I said, um, in-flight service has been lessened quite a bit and then they brought some back and now they're taking it away again with the new variant. Um, other than that though, it's changed a lot because there's more expected of us especially with wearing masks, which has been kind of our biggest difficulty as you've seen in the news and stuff. There's all the different arguments on planes over masks and stuff. And it is hard when cities start to open up and they don't need, require masks anymore, but on the airplane, we still do. 
So it's hard to do our job and then add on, you know, worrying about mask mandates and all that stuff. And then it's hard too, because if, you know, one of your flight crew tests positive, then you have to really watch yourself. Do I have any symptoms now? You know, now I have to worry about that. Do I need to quarantine? Do I need to call in sick? So it's, it has added like another layer of complexity, I'd say. COVID has changed the way a lot of people work. For instance, it seems like working remotely might be a new normal for some people. I know, especially like teachers, it's like built into their jobs now that they need to like have online courses. Um, Do you see any of these new like safety protocols um, with air travel staying um, after like we're past COVID or do you see them like, like things going back to the way they used to be? For me personally, I think eventually it will go back to how it was, but I think it's going to be a long time coming for it to be completely back to normal for sure, especially with new, you know, new variants coming out all the time and the flu Rona or whatever they're calling it. So I I think it's going to be around for like the newer mandates and protocols are going to be around for a while, but they've already obviously relaxed a lot since the beginning. So I think they will eventually go away and go back to normal. We're hoping, yeah. Talking about, kind of coming back to what you said about the masks and like just the safety protocols and how people are like um, reacting to them. How often do you deal with passengers who um, aren't complying with the health and safety protocols at the moment? I would say about 95% of the, you know, passengers are really respectful and it's just, it's the same as asking people to put their tray tables up and seat backs forward, seat belts on. But honestly, there's probably one or two individuals on every single flight that there's pushback or there's just absolute non-compliance that then we keep having to, you know, remind them, hey, just, just friendly reminder, you know, over your mouth and nose if you're not eating or drinking. And, and when you have to remind somebody so many times, then it starts to get a little bit more stressful and they get a little bit more stressed out and you just try to keep that energy the negative energy low but at the same time we have to reinforce that so it's it's definitely added a little bit of difficulty to the job with those kind of situations where maybe people aren't listening how do you handle those do you have like a script or like do you just kind of go in case by case so each airline has their own protocol. Um, So for me personally, yes, because it's a packed airplane, we're just trying to keep the energy positive because it can turn very fast and kind of multiply. Uh, So I just kind of use it more as a reminder. People, you know, differ with that. Some people want to be like more strict with it. I'm just one of those people that keeps going back and reminding them. And, and for the people that aren't compliant, I will check to make sure because other people around them start to feel uncomfortable or unsafe. And that's really what we the, the reason that we're doing it is to try to pre- protect everybody and keep everybody safe. So, so we try to stay diligent, but <laughs> there's only so much we can do with 165 people on a plane, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and then you're talking about like how kind of the energy can turn negative and that like one person or a few people can kind of change everything. At what point uh, do those situations kind of turn into 
you having to tell someone to get off a flight for non-compliance? So I've been really lucky. <laughs> Most of my passengers have been, you know, not necessarily, they don't listen right away and they're not compliant right away, but eventually they do kind of get tired of our back and forth of, okay, don't forget your mask. And then, um, but I know that other people have had a lot more difficulty. And if it, if we're still boarding, if we're on the ground and you start to see the energy change and they're absolutely not making an effort to comply, that's the point where you say, okay, well, it's not going to get any better once we're in the air, we're in this little sardine can metal tube flying in the air. There's nowhere for anybody to go at that time. We would, we would ask them, you know, you can't seem to comply on the ground. So we'll just squash it now before we get up into the air and we can't do anything about it. Talking about like, kind of like negative energy and um, all that anxiety kind of just like permeates flights sometimes for a lot of people flying is like really can make them really anxious have you ever had to calm like an anxious passenger down in any of your flights yeah we I mean we do experience a lot of anxious passengers um I feel like in the last few flights I've done especially when a flight is full it adds to the anxiety because people feel like they don't have room to breathe and they don't have room to move and that kind of thing. So luckily I am on a crew. So, you know, we can kind of tag team and decide who's the best to work with that individual. I've had it where we've actually had to have a flight attendant sit with an individual for the whole flight because they were such a nervous flyer. And she even said that she was gonna take the ferry home from Juno because she, she was so stressed out on the flight, but you know, like I said, there's usually four of us at least, or three or four of us so that we can kind of, one person can focus on that anxiety and hope that that doesn't grow. And then the, the, the rest of us can, you know, continue doing our service and that kind of stuff. And you said you kind of like elaborated on how like your team works together and kind of like has sort of a play by play. Um, do you have any like things specific you actually like say to them I mean, you really just have to feel out the person and their individual personality because some people are, you know, there's going to be nothing that calms them down and you just have to tell them like factually, everything's fine, calm down, you know, kind of be more blunt with them. Whereas other people need more reassurance and really giving more effort to make them feel comfortable. So mm -hmm. with the masks too, it, I've noticed a lot more people that are, you know, don't like to be in tight spaces and that kind of thing. And then they feel like, okay, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Cause I'm wearing this mask. I'm like, okay, but I need you to keep the mask on. So that has actually added to the anxiety of travelers for sure. Oh yeah. Other than like masks and stuff, you know, turbulence can cause a lot of anxiety as well. And like those situations can like make people kind of turn to the flight attendants, turn to you and kind of see how you're reacting to like kind of feel at ease. So how do you keep your composure in those situations? So for us, I mean, we're pretty used to the turbulence and stuff. And even if it were to be scary turbulence, we still just keep a smile on our face. And, you know, you can kind of see who's reacting the most and is the most nervous so you can kind of send them a reassuring smile when it is safe to walk through the cabin we'll walk through just to make sure everybody's still doing okay everybody nobody got sick nobody got injured you know everybody's got their seatbelts working and everything so we we do try to walk through the cabin at least every 15 20 minutes just 
just so that if somebody does need to say, hey, I, I need you, and they don't, they're like too afraid to ring their call light or for whatever reason, then you know we're, we try to be out there as much as we can. When you were like starting as a flight attendant, did you have to kind of like learn skills to keep your composure or were you pretty used to like turbulence and all that? The turbulence wasn't really the hard part, but then when, when any new situa situation arose, like a medical issue on board or a disgruntled passenger, there was a lot to learn and I'm still learning, you know, I still have so much to learn about how to handle every situation, but it's, it's, I've definitely evolved since the first, you know, year or two that I've flown. We've talked about a lot of like people's anxiety, other people's anxiety, passengers, um, but like we haven't really talked about like your personal stress. So like, how do you deal with, if you have any, your own personal stress with flying, maybe not with turbulence, but with like other things? I think when, when, when I'm actually on the job, it's just focus on the job you know, take it step by step. But then afterwards, when I get to my hotel room or whatever, that's when you can totally decompress and just, you know, when I, when I'm at a hotel room, there's no other distractions. So I can just relax, watch, you know, my forensic files on TV, that kind of thing, and just kind of ease out of the day. But when I'm, when we're at work, we kind of just take it step by step. And because I mean, anybody that's flown before knows cancellations, delays, anything could happen. And that's the case every day with our jobs. So we just, it, we really, that's one thing that you have to learn is just take it as it comes and see where the adventure ends up. Coming up next, Fisher talks about the recent holiday travel season where inclement weather and staff shortages caused one of the most disruptive times to fly for many coming in and out of Alaska. We'll be right back. Alaska Teen Media Institute is looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can help conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceovers, help write scripts, and much, much more. P.S. All of that is paid work. So if you're between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska, and interested in joining ATME, go to alaskateenmedia.org slash join. You can also email us at news at alaskateenmedia.org. Now back to Madison's interview with flight attendant Sierra Fisher. Kind of speaking of stress and anxiety with flying, um, we just went through one of the worst like holiday travel seasons with like thousands of flight cancellations and delays due to like uh the the weather in um other states and then like you know staff shortages and then omicron um so could you tell us your experience through all that like madness that happened yeah so every year it seems like it snows and there's some kind of you know weekend issue and and this is actually the first year that i've flown during that. I don't know why, but every other year somehow I've missed it. And this year, I think it started on the 26th down in Seattle, they had their snow. And so I flew right into it. Um, and I mean, we were just getting updates as we were in the air. We didn't even know we almost made it 
from Anchorage to Seattle. And then we get a call saying, oh, hey, um, we're going to divert to Ketchikan because Seattle doesn't even have anywhere for us to land or for our plane to go. So, in our, you know, we we don't tell anybody that until we know for sure the game plan because we don't want to keep changing things on people and that just adds to the stress. So then a little bit later we find out, okay, no, we're going to Juneau. So we finally land in Juneau, started deplaning. We were almost done deplaning. And then they decide, oh, nope, we have to start boarding again. So the last few people didn't even get off before we started boarding again because we just wanted to get our slot into Seattle because it was just so crazy. And then we landed in Seattle and there was, I, there was just no gate space. Nobody was leaving because the de-icing issues and that kind of thing. So we have our like work device and it shows us, okay, well, we were supposed to fly back today, but our pilots timed out. And that's kind of a part of the thing that a lot of people didn't realize. They thought, oh, well, everybody's just calling in sick and that's why there's staff shortages. But FAA has really clear rules for us, you know, pilots, especially they can only fly such a long day. So, you know, you need pilots to make a plane work. So between that and then, yeah, every time a crew member, you know, tests positive with COVID, we get notified and then there's protocol to go through to see, you know, do I need to, need to go get tested? Do I need a quarantine? So yeah, that really adds to it. And unfortunately it all just happened at once. Oh, that was, yeah, that's a lot. Um, and especially you were talking, it's like one of your first holiday seasons. Well, so I work holidays usually, but I, it was my first time flying with all the snowstorm and the weather issues. And because of um, COVID, it just kind of really multiplied the situation. So I, I was even supposed to come home and I got stranded in Seattle and I know a lot of people were on call with reservations forever. The line was incredible for customer service, customer service agents, which I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they keep their composure because that would just be the most stressful to me. But yeah, I mean, we, we didn't even know what hotel we were staying at until five hours after we landed because it was just that crazy. Yeah, I've heard so many stories from like coworkers at my work and then like my friends at school they're all just like talking about that stuff stories in my Spanish class where like one person got stranded at um SeaTac like you were talking about so yeah just like everything happening at once kind of truthfully for for passengers for everybody I mean I guess none of us really we never know what to expect but we were all just having to adapt like every minute of the day so since we like talked about like staff the FAA rules and all that I was interested in learning about um how flight attendants work together so could you tell us like how you kind of work together with your coworkers and like kind of like pass off duties in the flight or do you have like specific ones yeah so it kind of again depends on the airline but um some airlines have something called a purser and they're basically the lead flight attendant. And then other airlines have like different positions, A, B, C, D, or one, two, three, four, or that kind of thing. So we just have the different positions. We don't have technically a lead flight attendant, but the, you know, the person that does all the announcements and coordinates with the pilots will be the lead for the flight. But sometimes you walk onto a plane and you're meeting 
everybody for the first time, the other, you know, three people on your crew for the first time, you're not sure, you know, what, what your role is going to be. We have it enough to where we say, okay, you're this position today. So here's your safety duties, that kind of thing to check our safety equipment, that kind of thing, or, you know, an emergency, which area of the cabin are you responsible for? But then when it comes to just, you know, like dealing with different situations, like I said, like if a call light rings and there's a medical situation, then you kind of figure out where you fit in best. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to hear, like you're kind of meeting your coworkers for that flight for the first time. Do you have any like specific team members you kind of like work together on a lot of flights that you've kind of built bonds with? It's so funny because with this job, I could work with somebody every week for two months and then not see them for five years. Um, So yeah, luckily our base is a smaller base, um, whereas other bases and other airlines have thousands and thousands of people. We kind of are more like a family, so we're able to get to know each other a little bit better, but still about, I would say, I don't know, 50% of the time, there's at least one crew member that I haven't met yet. But when you do, especially because we can do like multi-day trips. So by the fourth day, you know this person well enough because you've been on this plane with them for 10 hours, you know, and in the airports and hotel vans and hotels and trying to figure out where to eat for dinner, that kind of thing. So by the end of a a longer trip, you kind of get to know somebody. I think even passengers pick up on it really passengers are very aware of how well the flight attendants know each other and how well they work together. It's kind of incredible to me how perceptive people can be just based off of us doing service together, you know, serving drinks together. They can, they kind of feel that energy and it changes the mood of the flight entirely. Mm -hmm. You said you don't really like know necessarily the people when you go on those flights, especially with the day trips you said, but do you know like how much you rely on your coworkers and your flight attendants for like professional and like personal support during those flights? I think we rely on each other a lot. Um, like I said, if one thing goes wrong with a passenger or if, if I'm not clicking with a passenger and they're upset with me, then it's kind of like, hey, can you tag in and try to see if you have a different approach to make sure that this situation doesn't escalate or, you know, it, or I can take a breather and take a moment to myself back here. So yeah, I think we kind of give and take a lot and yeah, try to figure out who's the best for what situation. And if something's not working, let somebody else tag in and try. Mm-hmm. And do you, in those kind of situations, do you kind of have to be like, all right, I know what I'm good at and I can like tell someone, Hey, I can do this. I think a lot of it is having to be the person to say, Hey, this isn't working. I, I need your help. Cause if one person keeps saying, Oh, I can do it. I can do it all myself. And you know, the other person saying, Oh, I, I can step in and help. This is where I excel. If the person resists that help, there's nothing you can do. Um, but so I think a lot of it is really just saying, I'm not getting through to this passenger or I'm not figuring this out. So can you help me? Yeah. 
Definitely. And then uh, kind of bringing it back to current events, did the holiday madness and kind of just everyone being in their own kind of like stressful place, did that affect any of that like communication and support between um, flight attendants and coworkers? I think for me, what on my trips that I flew during all the, the craziness, um, it actually kind of brought us closer together because we're going through this together, you know, so we're we're experiencing all the changes and all the difficulties together. And in some ways that actually kind of made us connect with our passengers too, because we're like, yeah, we don't know where we're going either. We have no idea where the day is going to take us either. But there are situations where you're so burnt out and spent that it's just even hard to connect with anybody anymore. I can only imagine. Um Thinking about people who might want to come in and become flight attendants um, right now, especially the environment that has been like created through COVID and um, just like the different variants that are coming through. Um, what advice would you give to kind of the new recruits? I mean, all the airlines are hiring a lot for pilots and flight attendants because a lot of people retired when they were giving out leaves because there was no flying and now flying's just amped up back to normal pretty much. And so that's another reason why we're probably short staffed, but um, it's not easy at first. I will say that much. And luckily I'm far enough in that I'm not on reserve or on call anymore because the people that are on call are getting worked like crazy because of other people calling out sick or that kind of thing. So it is very, very tough and you can't expect anything. I remember when I was first a flight attendant and I was on call making appointments, doctor's appointments and stuff, you know, I would do all that or have a date to go to and then not end up back where I was supposed to be. And I'd end up somewhere completely different. So you really just have to be able to adapt and let go of control because, you know, whatever happens, you got to go with it. Mm -hmm. Definitely, maybe not for people who are like super scheduled and stuff. And even if they are, they got to just not have that. Yeah. Yeah. Learning to adapt is huge and, and learning patience is huge too. Yeah. And then um, a lot of like experienced flight attendants are still like, you know, they, they know how to handle themselves, but like, what advice would you give to flight attendants who are trying to handle stress? Like, do you have any like routines you have to handle like the holiday stress or like just COVID stress? You know, I think everybody's totally different. There's, I've got lots of flight attendant friends that lean into exercise or a creative side or, you know, like hobbies, that kind of thing. For me, I really just, if I have crazy flights, I really just need a day to myself to decompress and not have to be social. Like, really just my own quiet time, my own personal time. So it really just depends on the person. But for me personally, I, I just need time away from having to socialize all the time. Yeah, it can be very draining, I imagine. To kind of like get away from the conversation of stress and anxiety, because it's a lot. Do you have any like favorite places to fly at all in like the country or even if you've flown outside of the country? For work, obviously Hawaii is a good one because <laughs> we get enough time there usually to, you know, decompress and then also have fun, go to the beach, that kind of thing. It almost feels like 
a little vacation sometimes if it's long enough. And then you feel all lighthearted and happy to get on the plane again and greet your passengers. Um, other places I like are like Southeast Alaska. I love flying into places in Southeast Alaska. They're so beautiful. They can also be just really kind of like restorative layovers where you can just relax and become yourself again, kind of. For Hawaii, do you have like a favorite island at all? I like Hawaii a lot, but I've only been there a few times. So Maui's Maui has always been my favorite. It's a little bit more relaxed than the hustle and bustle of Oahu because Waikiki Beach can get a little crazy with all the tourists and stuff. But I also have friends that live in o Oahu. So at the beginning of um, 2021, I was flying there a lot because some of our more senior flight attendants were on, took leaves. So I got some of the more fun flights, you know? And so it was kind of nice because I was flying all the time, but I had lifetime friends that were there. So it kind of felt like I was still with family once I got there. So yeah, I mean, Maui and Oahu are probably my favorites. I also love Maui. It's great. My family loves going there. We haven't gone there in a while, but I'm eager to get back. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Sometimes getting to fly to different places and be there. I know, especially hearing my uncle who used to be a flight attendant, he would tell us like all the time about his favorite places to fly. So it's nice to hear someone else's kind of experience with flying as well. And then my final question for you is given everything we've talked about today with, you know, the holiday kind of travel uh, madness that just happened, you know, the different variants that are, um, you know, keep appearing. Um, has that stuff changed the way you think about what you do at all? Um, not really. I, I think I, I definitely got a little burnt out over this holiday season and I, I've been burnt out before. So it's just one of those times when you have to like take a step back and say, okay, I need to take a few days off and recuperate and all that. And then so that I can feel a hundred percent when I go back, because if you don't get yourself back to a hundred percent, then it's just going to keep kind of snowballing for a lot, lack of better words, but it'll just keep growing itself. And then you'll, the burnout will just, it, it'll be bad. So for me personally, I decided just take a step back. I think I fly in like three days from now and I'm getting excited to go back and put my uniform on and get back on the plane and get back into the groove of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A nice break is great for just like recouping and, you know, finding the love of your job again. So yeah. Well, thank you for talking with me today. It's been um, very insightful. Um, I learned a lot from you and uh, yeah, it made me kind of view flight attendants uh, and that the, their jobs very differently. So thank you. Thanks for having me. That was At Me producer Madison Knutson speaking with flight attendant Sierra Fisher. You've been listening to Podcast in Place from Alaska Team Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengost with additional music from Kendrick Whiteman. You can find these stories and more at alaskateammedia.org, where we have included resources for youth in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Team Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. 
Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including United Way of Anchorage for the Healthy Communities Funding Program. The opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the United Way of Anchorage or the Municipality of Anchorage, Anchorage Health Department. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. You make it all possible. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. It's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like AtMe. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateammedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateammedia.org. There you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Quinn White. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.